Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Worcester Talking News. Recorded on the 6th of July and brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment for the Blind and with permission of the Worcester News. I'm Pippa Curtis and the team this week comprises Moira Lowe. Hello. And Richard Pugh. Hello. And Alex Gwynn, who's on the other side of the glass as our recording engineer. I'd like to extend a warm welcome to any new listeners and hope you enjoy our recording. As always, we will include, first of all, a list of useful telephone numbers, then what's on in the local theatres, etc., followed by the headline stories, a selection of general news stories, a little bit of sport, and then finishing up with the thought for the week, sunrise and sunset times, and, of course, the birthday file. If we don't have a record of your birthday and you'd like to be included, please get in touch and we can add you to the file. Obituaries are now recorded after the closing music. We do like to hear from you, so if you have any comments or problems, a message can be left on the answer phone on 01905 767 766 or alternatively just put a note in your wallet. Finally, the service is free to users, but if you'd like to make a donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR5 1DA. So let's start this week with the telephone numbers which Moira is going to read. Okay, so the telephone number for here for the Talking Newspaper at Colin Chance House is 01905 767766. And please be aware that the phone's not manned every day, so bear with us, we will get back to you. Police non-emergency number is 101. NHS Direct 111. Out-of-hours medical assistance between 6 and 8pm is 0300 12 Three three two one one. Crime Stoppers is O eight hundred five 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 one one one. Worcester Hub O one nine o five seven six five seven six five. Worcestershire County Council Here to Help number is O one nine o five seven six eight o five three, and you choose option three. Community Risk Team for Fire Safety is 0800 032 1155. The Domestic Abuse Helpline is 0800 980 Sense Adventures, which is walking for the visually impaired, is 01684 891 796. The Samaritans is a free phone number, 116123. Worcester Live, 01905 611427. And Malvern Theatres is 01684 892277. Uh, Worcester Wheels, for transport needs, between 8.30am and 4.30pm is 01905 450654. And just to let you know that Link Nurseries at Poic have a session for visually impaired people on a Friday morning. And to get more information for that, the telephone number is 01905 831 881. Thanks very much, Maura. Okay, I've got uh, some details of what's on at the moment and I guess the big news in our What's On section is that the Worcester Fringe Festival begins next Wednesday, that's the 12th of July. 
hosting over 60 events across five venues, Worcester Fringe is a jam-packed 10-day bonanza of theatre, music, dance, poetry, comedy and culture. With a mixture of ticketed and free events, there really is something for everyone. You can see an outdoor performance, for example, of Oscar Wilde's The Importance of Being Earnest at the Commandery Gardens from Wednesday the 22nd to Sunday the 23rd. Bring your picnics and garden chairs, sit back and be entertained. If it's comedy that floats your boat, then head to the Huntington Hall, where Matt Ford and Josh Weller will be performing on Friday the 21st of July, Luke Kempner and Heidi Regan on the 22nd, and Simon Brocken on Saturday the 29th of July. All performances start at 7.30pm and cost £13.50. For more details on all that's going on as part of Worcester Fringe, go to the Worcester Theatres website, which is worcestertheatres.co.uk, and follow the links. Alternatively, call the box office on 01905 611 427. On a slightly different theme, the Talking News Federation has advertised some changes to their soundings content. If you're not familiar with what the Talking News Federation can offer, it's definitely worth exploring. For example, some of the new content includes InfoSound InfoShorts. This is a weekly audio bulletin of news, advice and practical information to help living with sight loss. Each bulletin lasts less than 10 minutes and contains four or five short items on topics such as products, support services, financial matters, hobbies and leisure, as well as useful hints, tips and life hacks to help living with sight loss. Audio crosswords are now included on Soundings every month and fortnightly quizzes come from the two Soundings quiz setters. To access the website and see all that's on offer, go to tnfsoundings, that's all one word, .org.uk. So that's what's on done and we will move seamlessly on to the main headlines for the week that's just been. I'll read out all the headlines and then Moira will start with the first story. So the headline for Friday, June the 30th, we're lucky to be alive. Family left devastated as faulty phone charger sparks huge blaze. Saturday and Sunday, July the 1st and 2nd, a victory for parent power. Cars could soon be banned from outside schools at drop-off and pick-up pick pick times. Monday, July the 3rd, a riot of colour and sound. Carnival fever grips the city. Tuesday, July the 4th, who is the fire hero Posty? Postman tames Blaze until fire service arrives. Wednesday, July the 5th. Terror as burglars use sledgehammer in post office raid. And Thursday, July the 6th. Furious father's fine threat to striking teachers. So, Moira, if you'd like to start off with the first story, that'd be great. OK, so the first story, as you've just heard, is we're lucky to be alive a fire started by a phone charger destroyed a family home in a matter of minutes. Emma Flaherty's house in Warnden went up in flames after a phone charger in her daughter's room caught fire. She has sworn to never again use unbranded chargers after it sparked the fire they were lucky to escape. Fortunately, the mum and her two children escaped, although many of their belongings were destroyed in the blaze. She said, it's still so surreal in my head... I just had to get my kids out, one who was in the fire asleep and the other who is disabled. My head is all over the place at the moment. 
A place was built up as our safe place, memories made, laughter shared, completely destroyed within minutes due to a charger lead. I will never in my life allow unbranded chargers into my home. We are so very lucky. Please keep doors closed, turn sockets off when not in use and check your fire alarms. It doesn't stop fires by all means, but it confines it to a minimum and saves lives. The fire at the two-storey house on Rothay Close began at around 2pm on Sunday, June the 25th. Three Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service crews from the Worcester station were called to the scene. Two firefighters wearing breathing apparatus extinguished the flames and say they left a woman in her 30s and two teenagers in the care of the ambulance service. In the days since the blaze, a fundraiser has been set up for the family as friends and Worcester businesses rally to get them back on their feet. Among them is the team at Warren's Removals and Storage. Taking their plea to social media, a spokesperson for the firm said, This poor Worcestershire family have had their life turned upside down after a faulty phone charger set on fire. We are offering free storage to this family should anybody have anything they wish to donate. We will store this whilst the family are in temporary accommodation, waiting for works to be carried out. A GoFundMe page has so far raised nearly £1,000, and Emma couldn't be more thankful for the support shown. She said, I am forever grateful for everyone's generosity. The community of Worcester have been unbelievable. Everything life has thrown at us all. We realise no matter how much we do things alone, we aren't alone. And on Saturday, we see a wonderful headline, A Victory for Parent Power. The subheading cars could soon be banned from outside schools at drop-off and pick-up times. Cars could soon be stopped from travelling along roads outside schools during drop-off and pick-up times in a victory for parent power. Parents and residents near St George's RC Primary School took matters into their own hands and stopped unnecessary traffic from travelling on Thornalow Walk after they claimed there were near misses with pupils. The parents took action after petitioning the council for a school street, but now it has been announced they can go ahead outside schools if there is support for it. A school street sees a temporary restriction on vehicles at school drop-off and pick-up times outside the school. Councillor Mike Rouse, Cabinet Member for Highways and Transport, said, I have requested a process be put in place to empower councillors to deliver school streets where there is a local support for them. Any proposals will be subject to public consultation and will need to be funded by the county councillors' devolved funding streams. This is the best way to deliver school streets wherever they are truly wanted and can work according to the statutory guidance while not forcing them onto an unwilling community where they may not be wanted or unsuitable. The new process will be going live over the next couple of months, and I told councillors this at the last full council meeting well before this illegal blockade started. Councillor Matthew Jenkins said that there had been a campaign for the school street to be implemented for the last three years. Speaking about the Thorn Thornlow Walk Brocade, 
He said, this it was a practical and proportionate response to a unique situation due to the highways diverting moment to traffic down Thornalow Walk. The wall has been knocked down or damaged on many occasions and this week a co-op HGV driver crashed outside Riverside School which is on the next street to Thornalow Walk. A petition for two sorry a petition with 245 signatures calling for action at this location was presented to the council in December 2022. Parent Isabel Michelle, who participated in the action in Thornlow Walk, said, This isn't about politics, it's about making the roads safer. I invite all the councillors, especially Councillor Rouse, to join forces and make school streets a reality in Worcestershire, starting with Thornlow Walk. We want a safer environment for the children travelling to school and we need action now. And the headline for Monday, July the 3rd, A Riot of Colour and Sound. Worcester Carnival returned to the city in a blaze of colour and organisers say there was something special about this year's event. The carnival took place on Saturday, July the 1st, with the highlight being a spectacular parade through the city centre. Dozens of schools, community groups and charities took part in the procession, which took Our Colourful World as its theme. There was also on-stage entertainment in Cathedral Square and live music, dancing, a fun fair, and more at the Carnival Village on Pitchcroft. Angela Derbyshire, who's part of the organising committee, said, We had a brilliant day. The streets were lined with people. There were so many faces. There always are. But something just felt different yesterday. We'd learnt from last year and worked hard with the council and all of the teams involved so the road closures and the parade went smoothly while keeping everyone safe. The Carnival Village was packed and we had fabulous evening entertainment from Blank Canvas and Blobby Williams, who's a fantastic showman. We're trying to extend the entertainment into the evening a little more each year and a big group of people stayed around to watch it. Among the fun and frolics, there were attempts to make the carnival a little greener this year, including having three self-propelled floats in the parade. Groups, including Honeywell Primary School and the Worcester Afro-Caribbean Association, worked with professional artists to design the floats. There was also a large group of bike Worcester cyclists of all ages on two wheels who sounded their bells as they made their way along the route. It's going to be difficult to move away from the big diesel vehicles completely, but we are reducing our carbon footprint and becoming more environmentally friendly, said Angela. It was also good to make the carnival more inclusive. Our colourful world was about reaching into communities that aren't always involved. Organisers are now busy counting up donations from the day, which will go towards 8th Worcester Scouts and their bid to build a new toilet facility. People don't always carry cash these days, but the bucket collections still work, so hopefully we've raised a good amount. Okay, so the next headline is from Tuesday, July the 4th, and it's about the um, hero postie. A quick-thinking postman sprinted towards a fire outside a house to help put it out after spotting it while he was delivering letters. According to eyewitnesses, the hero postie sprinted down the road to put out flames that reached about nine feet high. 
Dressed in his uniform of blue shirt and shorts, he uses a fire extinguisher to tame the fire in Sycamore Road, Tolodyne, before fire crews arrive. One resident said they were in their garden when they soon became alerted to smoke billowing from their neighbour's house. He said, The postman was next door to our neighbour's house delivering stuff and saw the fire. He got the fire extinguisher out of the block of flats. Next door to the property is a block of flats designed to provide assisted living to those with disabilities. After getting the fire extinguisher, the postie was in action and kept the fire at bay until two fire engines arrived five minutes later. Four metres of fencing had caught fire and began spreading to the attached house on Saturday morning. Another eyewitness said they were alerted to heightened voices coming from outside. She went to check if her neighbour was safe when she saw the postman running across the road. One appreciative neighbour filmed the postman in action, saying, Hero postman this morning, fighting a fire during his round. Not all heroes wear capes. A spokesman said Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service commended the man for his actions, but said people should always call 999. They added, two crews from Worcester Fire Station were called at 11.22am on July 1st to a fire at Sycamore Road, Worcester. The fire involved four metres of fencing and had spread to a lean-to attached to property, damaging the gutter and the fascia. The loft space and exterior fascia were checked and the burnt timer cut away. A short extension ladder, small gear and a hose reel were used to extinguish the fire with a thermal imaging camera also deployed. There were no casualties. The incident was marked as pending closure at 12.30pm. While we would commend the actions of the postman, we would always recommend calling the fire service in such circumstances. Worcester News has contacted Royal Mail for a comment. At Alter Wednesday... July the 5th, when the headline states terror as burglars use sledgehammer in post office raid. A man came face to face with burglars armed with a sledgehammer as they stole money from a post office. Geoffrey and Celia Young have been left shaken by the burglary at the post office they run on Pershaw Road in Upton Snodsbury. Mrs Young said the gang smashed their way into the business and firearms officers responded to their 999 call. Mrs Young said, We are OK. We are just very shaken up. This was an aggravated burglary with three people involved. They smashed their way into the shop and then smashed their way into the internal post office area. They made off with the shop till and the cash. My husband was met by one with a sledgehammer but he backed off so he would not be harmed. I saw the car speed off towards Pinvin, and the police were on, on it straight away. Firearms units arrived, and patrol cars were involved in two car chases, which went in the Evesham direction. Despite the ordeal, Mrs Young said the whole community has been showing their concern following the burglary, and has been offering its support. She said, The police have been fantastic. There has been a spate of burglaries in our village recently, and the whole community is very upset and concerned. We have been here over 25 years, and have never known anything like this. The whole community is with us. 
Hopefully the police will have successful convictions soon. It is a stressful situation, but it is important to let everyone know about these horrible incidents. No arrests have been made by West Mercia police following the burglary, but a grey Ford Focus was spotted leaving the scene. A spokesman said, We received a report of a burglary at the post office in Upton Snodsbury at around 1.35am this morning. That is on Tuesday the 4th of July. Witnesses reported seeing a grey Ford Focus leaving the scene. Cash was stolen in the uh, burglary. Anyone with information is asked to contact uh, dl-ccid at westmercia.police.uk quoting incident number 26 lowercase i of 4 July. To report a crime, call 101 or use the online Tell Us About form on the West Mercia Police website at www.westmercia.police.uk oblique T-U-A oblique tell hyphen us hyphen about oblique. Alternatively, contact Crime Stoppers anonymously by calling 0800 555 111 or by visiting https colon slash slash crimestoppers hyphen uk dot org and the headline for thursday july the 6th furious father's fine threat to striking teachers an angry dad has written to his children's schools to demand fines for striking teachers after he was told pardon me He was told he may be fined for taking his family on a term-time holiday. Wesley Joyce says he will refuse to pay any fine for taking his children out of school, pointing out he wouldn't be able to afford the trip in the summer holidays. And Mr Joyce has sent his own letter, using similar phrasing to the letter he received, saying he will fine his children's teachers if they take part in the ongoing national strike action. He says it's double standards because a strike could mean his children miss a day at school. The 42-year-old said last month he approached his children's schools, Tudor Grange Primary Academy, and person <coughs> sorry, it's not very clear, Tudor Grange Primary Academy, Purdiswell, where Hallie attends, and Christopher Whitehead Language College, where JJ attends, asking permission for an authorised absence to take the children on holiday, but his request was refused. Mr Joyce said, I told them, sorry, we are going. It's impossible to afford a holiday in the summer holidays. It's £5,000 extra. Mr Joyce, said the family, including his wife, two children and two stepchildren, went to Turkey with the children taken out of school for 10 days. But when he got home, he received a letter warning him he may be fined. The letter from Christopher Whitehead said, If you decide to go ahead with the proposed absence, JJ will be marked unauthorised. I should inform you that the unauthorised absence may be referred to the local authority who may, under certain circumstances, consider issuing you with a penalty notice or other legal action. A similar letter was also received from Tudor Grange, which said an unauthorised absence can lead to a penalty notice of £120. I'm not paying the fine, Mr Joyce said. 
I've told them, if you get me in front of the court, that's exactly what I want. I can express my feelings about this that way. Mr Joyce told us, I do understand that the teachers are in dispute with the government, but in two weeks they're off for six weeks. Why can't they strike then? You're punishing everyone else having to find childcare while they're off. It's a complete double standard. Neil Morris, head teacher of Crystal Whitehead Language College, said, Mr Joyce may be fined for taking his child out for 10 days. The child will have crucial exams in 32 weeks. However, the head teacher said he was sympathetic to parents facing a cost of living crisis. Maybe the government should be looking at what the travel companies charge in the summer holidays. We've been saying that for a long time, he said. The head teacher said he understood the strike action, adding he was losing good teachers to the private sector where they could earn more. A spokesperson for Tudor Grange Academy, Purdiswell, said it was unable to comment. Worcestershire County Council was contacted for comment. So that concludes the weekly series of headline stories and we'll now move on to general news stories. Maury, would like to kick us off? So my first story is Gambling Shop Asks to Open Until 6am. A city centre gambling shop has asked for permission from the council to open until 6am. Mercure Slots in the Cross Worcester has revealed it wants to extend its opening hours and has made a request to Worcester City Council to open until 6am every day. The casino chain had its request to open 24 hours a day turned down by the council almost a year ago. Mercury has said its gambling shop in the Cross has now been open for 18 months without any complaints and had been staying open until 2am for the last six months also without any complaints. A statement included with the application said Mercure slots typically operate 24 hours and where they do not operate 24 hours they usually operate until the early hours. A 2am closing time is a very early closing time for a leisure use that relies on evening and nighttime trade. As they did a year ago Bosses at Mercury Slots called on the City Council to show a level of consistency in its decision-making after agreeing for neighbouring gambling outlets to open longer. Last year, Shipley Amusement Centre moved from the former Scala Theatre in Angel Place around the corner to Broad Street in the building formerly occupied by Bright House and was given permission by the City Council to open 24 hours a day a privilege which Mercure Slot says should also be extended to its venue. Based on the advice of West Mercia Police, the City Council granted Mercure Slots, then known as Cascino, a licence for the Adult Amusement Centre in the Cross, but restricted opening hours to 9am to midnight despite a request to open all day and night. West Mercia Police was against the 24-7 plan from the start, but said it was willing to trial a 2am cut-off so officers could keep an eye on the situation and review it in the future. Planning officers at Worcester City Council said the fears from police were rational and reasonable, but it was willing to accept the gambling shop closing at 2am instead of midnight. On Wednesday, we see a headline entitled Man Hurt in Scooter Crash. An e-scooter rider was seriously hurt after falling in a city street. The man was taken to Worcestershire Royal Hospital after paramedics were called to the junction of Batten Hall Road 
and Bat- sorry, beg your pardon, Battle Road and Batten Hall Road last night. That'd be Monday. West Midlands Ambulance said it appeared that the man had fallen off the e-scooter. The man was taken to Royal Worcestershire Royal Hospital for treatment. A West Midlands Ambulance spokesman said, We were called to reports of a patient who had fallen from an e-scooter on Battle Road at 5.42 yesterday. One ambulance and the Midlands Air Ambulance Critical Care Car attended the scene. On arrival, we discovered one male patient who was treated for serious injuries before being taken to Worcestershire Royal Hospital. West Mercia Police said they did not have any information on the incident. E-scooters can be used when a trial rental scheme is running. Members of the public can also use them on roads or cycle lanes provided they use the correct licence and follow road traffic regulations. However, within Worcester there is no trial rental scheme making it illegal to ride them in public. If you are caught breaking these rules, riders can have a £300 fine and six penalty points on their licence for having no insurance and up to a £100 fine and three, six pen, three to six penalty points for riding without the correct licence. If you cause serious harm to another person whilst riding an e-scooter, the incident will be investigated in the same way it would if you were driving a motorcycle or driving a car. Thousands of people visited the first Worcester Balloon Festival held at Pitchcroft last month. Worcester Balloon Festival was held on Friday, June the 23rd and Saturday, June the 24th and featured a host of family-friendly entertainment. The main attraction to the festival was undoubtedly the hot air balloons, but due to the weather conditions, they were not able to be flown for some parts of the event. Some were able to take off on Saturday evening and some dramatic pictures were captured of the spectacle over the city. David Bailey, Worcester Balloon Festival organiser, said the event had attracted 4,500 people on Friday alone. He said they were also expecting up to 16,000 people throughout the course of Saturday. He added, We have stunt teams, all the rides, inflatables, local traders, fireworks and a lot more here at the festival. We wanted to cater to everyone. You can't please everybody, but we have a lot here for people to enjoy. One of the attendees at the event was Councillor Louis Stephen, the Mayor of Worcester. Councillor Stephen highlighted how important events like the Worcester Balloon Festival is for local traders. He said, There were lots of lovely stalls with some wonderful local traders. I've seen a constant stream of people coming in to visit the event, so it looks like it's really successful. A lot of the traders here have probably struggled in recent years with the pandemic, so it's a great opportunity at events like this for them to come and get involved. John Greatrex, one of the Worcester Balloon Festival organisers, also told the Worcester News that the Showtime events team are looking to make this an annual event in Worcester. He said, We do air balloon festivals all over the country. We picked Worcester as it's such a fantastic place with lovely people. We'd love to make it an annual event. And as they say, little acorns grow into big oak trees. Okay, um, my next story is Drivers Pay to Boost Supermarket Profits. 
Increased supermarket profit margins led to drivers paying an extra 6p per litre for fuel last year, the Competition and Markets Authority, the CMA, said. The CMA inquiry also recommended that the government introduces legislation to enable a fuel finder open data scheme to be created, which could allow drivers to check pump prices through apps or sat-navs. Supermarket giant Asda was fined £60,000 by the CMA for failing to provide relevant information in a timely manner. In response to the CMA's report into the UK fuel market, an Asda spokesman said, The CMA's comprehensive road fuel market review recognised Asda as the price leader and confirmed the presence of an Asda petrol station in a local area keeps prices down for all motorists. Despite record inflation... We have carefully managed our business to ensure Asda was the cheapest traditional supermarket for both groceries and fuel throughout the period reviewed by the CMA and this position is unchanged. The penalty notices relate to two individual alleged technical breaches in the way information was shared with the CMA over a 12-month period, during which time a significant number of documents were shared with the CMA to aid their study and we engaged fulsomely with their inquiries. The government supports all the recommendations from the CMA, including creating a new public body to ensure there is transparency in fuel pricing, Downing Street has said. The Prime Minister's spokesman said, It isn't right that at a time when people are struggling with rising living costs, drivers aren't receiving a fair deal for fuel and instead are being, over- and instead are being overcharged by retailers. That's why we will be setting up a new scheme to enable motorists to conveniently find the best fuel prices in real time and easily identify who is charging fair prices and passing on savings and who is not. We will change the law to force retailers to provide up-to-date price information, increasing transparency and competition and in turn driving down prices and easing people's cost of living. They added a consultation would be held in the autumn. And those regular listeners, here's a follow-up to a previous story we we have read for you uh, about a man admits a drug charge. A man has admitted to being involved in a large cannabis farm at a former pound shop in Worcester city centre. This is the pound land in the shambles in Worcester, or former pound land. Dennis Voker, 24, of no fixed abode, admitted being concerned in the production of a controlled drug of Class B cannabis. The court heard Voca was involved in the production at the cannabis farm at the former Pound and Store in the Shambles between April 1st and June 6th this year. We previously reported police found a 500-plant cannabis farm on June 6th. The cannabis farm was in the upper section of the empty shop, which was cordoned off with police tape. Staff working near the former shop said they noticed a strong smell of cannabis in the mornings. Voker's advocate, Shaney Hodgetts, argued for a pre-sentence report to be completed in his case, but his honour, Judge Jonathan Salmon, rejected this request. His co-accused, Deku Kadri, age 41, was not represented during the hearing and also told, told the court he could not speak English. 
The judge asked if Kadri of no fixed abode wanted to be represented and Vogue helped translate this to him before the defendant indicated he did. <coughs> judge Salmon told the pair to stand and explained Voker would be sentenced at Worcester Crown Court on July 24th. He told Kadri his case would also be heard on that date, which would give him time to seek legal advice. The pair, who were remanded in custody, appeared in the dock of courtroom three during the hearing on Monday, the 3rd of July. Shoppers also said they could smell the drug as they passed the old pound shop, which has been empty since the shop closed in March 2020. One business owner, who wished to remain anonymous, said, when you get here in the mornings, it used to smell so strongly of the stuff and I guess now we know why. Police officers smashed open the doors of the empty shop before they discovered hundreds of cannabis plants in the upstairs section of the building. Police stood on guard outside the former Poundland following the discovery, with shoppers and neighbouring shop staff stood watching the drama unfold. A shopper who witnessed the police raid said, The smell is awful. It travels around the street. The crash, when the police went in, was horrendous. Visually impaired students from local colleges spend a day at the University of Worcester to find out more about the transition to higher education. Students from New College Worcester and the Royal National College for the Blind in Hereford attended a Visual Impairment Information Day organised by the University's Disability and Dyslexia Service. Both colleges are specialist institutions for students with visual impairments. Aimed at those thinking of going to university, it was a chance for the visitors to learn more about what university is like before they begin applications. The day included a mini-lecture about the Disabled Students Allowance Grant and the process of applying for it. There was a talk from the university's library services about the sport it can offer and how students can get access to resources, books or journals in a way that suits their learning. There were also talks on the benefits of going to university, how to go about choosing a university and on some of the questions to consider before going. The students had a tour around some of the accommodation on campus. Mentors from Look UK, a charity that supports visually impaired young people, also attended and gave a talk about their experiences of going to university. Catherine Williams, disability advisor at the University of Worcester, said, Visually impaired students have so many extra considerations when going off to university, so it's really important they do all the right planning and that they understand how to arrange support in good time. We wanted to bring together all of the expertise we could so that we could offer the best advice and set up visually impaired students for success. Rachel McGear, psychology and health and social care teacher at New College Worcester, said, It was an amazing opportunity for students to gain information on the transition to university as a visually, young, visually impaired young people. Students found the day informative and engaging, allowing them to feel more at ease about accessing the available support to them if they progress to higher education. Okay, new images shown for the first time how a multi-million pound project will transform the city's neglected Shrub Hill area. 
The overhaul of Shrub Hill Industrial Estate and the surrounding area includes hundreds of new homes and business and office space and will eventually be home to a new neighbourhood filled with restaurants, bars and shops. Worcestershire County Council has produced a new vision for Shrub Hill which shows how it imagines the area will grow in the next 20 years including 500 new homes and predictions of up to 5,000 new jobs. The transformation of Shrub Hill, which the council hopes will create a vibrant and modern gateway for the city, will hopefully be bolstered by plans to provide direct, regular and faster trains between Worcester, London, Oxford, Thames Valley and Bristol. In its new vision for Shrub Hill, the county council said, with transformed national connectivity, inspiring heritage and high-quality spaces, Shrub Hill will evolve as a vibrant new neighbourhood for Worcester. It will be a home in the city for new, high-quality employment and enterprise and a desirable and inclusive place to live and spend time. Supporting our wider investment and growth aspirations for Worcester and Worcestershire, Shrub Hill will become established as an exemplar for successful and inspiring urban renewal and investment. The improvements for Shrub Hill were dealt a blow earlier this year when the government snubbed a £20 million bid by Worcester City Council for levelling up money, which included plans to transform the Grade 2 listed engine works in Shrub Hill Road into landmark offices and creative workshop space. The City Council's plans for the 7,000 square metre building, which is more than 150 years old and said to be in a very poor state of repair, would also have seen its leaky roof replaced. Last year, councillors backed a £10 million plan which will see former ageing NHS office Isaac Maddock House in Shrub Hill Road become a new business hub. The redevelopment plan for the neighbouring canal side site also includes new housing and a walking and cycling route from Shrub Hill to St Martin's Gate. And some good news here. Nurse up for top accolade beneath a lovely photograph of Sue Sharp of St Richard's Hospice. A nurse has been nominated for a top award at the Worcestershire Health and Social Care Awards for 2023. Sue Sharp of St Richard's Hospice has been nominated for the Good Nurse Award, which looks to commend healthcare professionals who demonstrate outstanding levels of commitment to patient care. She is a secondary breast cancer nurse specialist who splits her time between Worcestershire Royal Hospital and St Richard's Hospice. Her nominator is a patient who has been treated and cared for by Sue and who highlighted her for going above and beyond for her patients. They said, without Sue, I would have been lost following my diagnosis. She helps me make sense of it all. She will spend hours talking to her patients to make sure that they understand the facts and give them the emotional support that they need. She helps her patients live as normal a life as possible when diagnosed with a life-limiting illness. Sue allows people to get on with their lives and make sure that the diagnosis that they have has as minimal impact as possible on their everyday life. 
Julie Rees, head of community nursing at St Richard's Hospice, said how proud the organisation is of Sue. She said, Sue is an exceptional nurse whose expert knowledge of breast cancer and caring, compassionate nature enables her to provide the very best support to her patients and their families. Sue goes above and beyond to ensure the people she cares for never feel alone with their diagnosis. She is there to support them at every step of their journey. We are proud to work alongside such a kind, dedicated nurse who is a much-loved member of our incredible hospice team. Entrance for the Good Nurse Award can be from any healthcare profession and can work anywhere from community care to surgical theatres. The awards are in partnership with the University of Worcester and seek to shine a light on the health and social care workers in Worcestershire who go the extra mile. The 2023 awards will culminate in a black tie dinner for all the finalists at the Abbey Hotel in Morven on Thursday, September the 14th, where the winners will be announced. And good luck to you, Sue. Well, this article really should or could have featured in the What's On, although it is technically outside Worcester. It's about the return of outdoor theatre to Hanbury Hall this summer, and I think it uh, deserves being flagged up. Heartbreak Productions and Illyria Theatre are back with three fun-filled entertaining shows. David Williams' Bad Dad, Pride and Prejudice and Robin Hood. The first show of the summer, David Williams' Bad Dad, takes place on Saturday, July the 15th. Join Heartbreak Productions for this warm-hearted tale that follows the highs and lows of a father-son relationship. Then on Saturday, August the 5th, Award-winning Illyria Theatre returns with Pride and Prejudice, the ultimate scandalous rom-com. Get ready for a whirlwind of parties, eligible gentlemen and scalding hot tea. Illyria Theatre will finish off the season with Robin Hood on Sunday, August 20th. It's a fast-paced heist for all ages and Robin Hood never misses a target. The action-packed production delivers huge laughs, daring adventures and well-deserved revenge. Tickets cost £16 for an adult, £12 for a child and £50 for a family ticket. All performances begin at 7pm, with gates open from 6pm. Organisers advise guests to pack a blanket or low-backed chair to sit on, weather appropriate gear and a picnic if you wish. The cafe will be open before the performance begins and during the interval for ice creams and other refreshments. The William and Mary style country house is a National Trust property set in 400 acres of parkland. This year it's celebrating 70 years since the National Trust saved it from being demolished because of Sir James Thornhill's historically significant wall paintings. When the National Trust began restoration work, the property ceilings were on the brink of collapse. To celebrate the Trust is challenging visitors to complete 70 things to do at Hanbury Hall seven a month from February to November. The activities encourage people to visit favourite locations on the site and get closer to wildlife and nature. Ofsted Joy for Nursery. An inspirational nursery has kept its outstanding rating in a glowing inspection by Ofsted. Poppins... 
Poppins Day Nursery in Worcester has received a heap of praise from inspectors Ofsted who awarded the highest possible score following an outstanding review. Ofsted lauded the nursery staff and said high expectations meant children behaved exceptionally well and made rapid progress. The nursery also goes above and beyond to create enriching experiences for the children in a loving, homely, supportive and inspirational environment where they receive outstanding care. Inspectors also said communication and language development was highly effective at the nursery and dedicated and inspirational staff encouraged children to explore, experiment and be curious. A report by Ofsted, which followed an inspection at the nursery in Alexander Road, Worcester, in May, said Children in this nursery are immersed in a loving, homely environment where they are supported by an inspirational team of staff. Staff create a warm and welcoming ethos for children where they feel safe and develop secure attachments with their key person. Children behave exceptionally well because staff are conscientious and consistently role model how to share and be kind to one another. A thrilled nursery manager, Sam McCann, said the outstanding result was an amazing achievement. We are absolutely delighted with our Ofsted result. I'm so incredibly proud of the staff team, she said. It is amazing to have the highest possible recognition for what we do every day. We are passionate about providing the best possible care for our children and raising outcomes for children. We are delighted the report reflects this. I would like to say thank you to the staff team for all their hard work, commitment and passion they hold for Poppins. Also thank you to our Poppins families for supporting us every day and for the abundance of emails we receive prior to the inspection offering support, praise and encouragement. And on behalf of the staff team, we'd like to say a special thank you to Sue Treadle for our spa day treat at the Elm Spa. Poppins Day Nursery was last inspected in 2017, where it was also awarded an outstanding rating. Under the headline, Repairs Can Start After Delay, news about Angel House in Broad Street. More repairs to a listed city centre shop, which, which was at risk of collapsing, are finally set to be carried out after a five-month delay. Angel House in Broad Street, which was home to Worcestershire's only Poundland store, has been closed for more than two years after it was left in a hazardous condition and at risk of collapse following a huge storm. The Crown Estate which owns the city centre building, put forward a planning application at the end of last year asking for permission to carry out a long list of repairs carried to the damaged Grade 2 listed building to protect it from disintegrating, which Worcester City Council planners have now approved. But the plans were heavily criticised by Government Heritage Body Historic England, which said it had been concerned about the application because its plans were seriously lacking in detail. A decision was expected from county, City Council planners in February, but it was not made until last week after a prolonged back and forth between the Crown Estate and Historic England over its 
inverted commas, inadequate, close inverted commas, application. Historic England warned the Crown Estate in January that further clarity was needed over the extensive work and no detail had been provided over plans to remove walls and the Crown Estate still needed to justify its a radical approach. Despite meetings in March, Historic England said enough information had still not been provided a month later and the application was currently too vague to be helpful. In the planning report, Historic England said the reports are all deficient in one way or another in providing an accurate summary and definition of the extent and nature of the works. For example, the report has a lot of information but it is not resolved into a set of drawings marking out what is actually proposed in terms of the works with any degree of precision. Nothing meaningful is offered in terms of the reconstruction to show how the building will be put back together. Angel House closed in May 2021 to allow for renovation work, but was left in a hazardous condition and at risk of collapse for following Storm Arwen later that year. Damage to the building included crumbling walls and cracked ceilings, damage to the roof, rotten wood beams and corroded steel. The new planning application said that a leaking roof light in 2021 led to the discovery of substantial structural defects. A spokesman for Worcestershire City Council said, We are pleased to have been able to issue the listed building consent, which includes a number of conditions requiring further assessment and the submission of technical details. We will continue to work closely with Historic England and the applicant to ensure that the heritage significance of this building is conserved for future generations and the building is brought back into use as soon as possible. A terrified woman caused chaos after driving the wrong way up a spiral ramp at a city centre car park. The elderly woman, who asked not to be named, has called for better signs at NCP Cathedral Square after driving up the exit in Friar Street. However, a spokesperson for NCPs pointed out that there are large floor markings and the signs at the entry of the car park. But the woman who's not from Worcester feels these signs were not clear enough, which led to her error. Making matters worse for the driver, a second car followed her up the ramp, causing a traffic jam, with the 74-year-old praising a good Samaritan who came to her aid on Sunday. This was July the 2nd. The confused driver said she only realised that she'd made a mistake when she was greeted by the exit barrier and was facing cars queuing on the other side. Pensioner claims there are no clear signs around the NCP car park on Friar Street and fears it could become dangerous. The driver said, This could have happened to anyone. I'm 74 and would not be able to drive down the slope. I couldn't go forward or back. And a car followed me. I was terrified. The Mercedes managed to reverse back down the steep slope. However, the woman was trapped at the top of the spiral ramp. Causing more chaos, cars which were stuck trying to exit resorted to leaving the car park, driving the wrong way through the entrance in Cathedral Square. The woman said she could have been stuck there for ages if it was not for a kind gentleman who managed to call up NCP. They eventually raised the barrier and let her through the exit. A spokesperson for the NCP car park said, 
We have clear signs on site and floor markings that show the entrance and exit. The design of the car park means that the left-hand lane is a down-ramp and the right-hand lane is an up-ramp. Drivers just need to observe the large floor markings and the signs at the entry. Uh, how many are you going to, storage are you going to need? I think at least two more, probably. Each? Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, yeah. It's Moira. Okay. Yeah, so I've got um, a follow-up to my Hero Posty um, story that was actually published in today's paper. Um, and the headline is Hero Posty Unmasked with a with a picture of him. So a hero postman has been unmasked and recounted his quick thinking after spotting a fire next to a house while doing his rounds. The identity of the Royal Mail postman had been a mystery after video of him tackling the nine-foot flames was posted on Twitter. Now, posty Charlie Bourne has been identified as the Havago hero who sprinted down to the house in Sycamore Road in Tolodyne to tackle the blaze on Saturday at around 11.20am. Dressed in his uniform of blue shirt and shorts, he used a fire extinguisher to douse the fire. Mr Bourne was working when he and a colleague spotted the fire and sprinted along the road to intervene. He said... I was out on my usual route with my colleague Jodie when she spotted the fire as we were driving past. We stopped the van and immediately ran over to see if we could help. There was a bit of a crowd forming, but I'm not sure if they understood the severity of the situation and how badly the fire could have got. I asked if anyone had a hose or anything I could use to try and stop the spread, and at the same time, my colleague was knocking on a nearby ground floor flat which had its windows wide open. She wanted to warn the occupants that the smoke could fill the property and thankfully the person inside had a fire extinguisher. I was able to then use that to stop the spread of the fire as much as possible before the fire crews arrived, which thankfully was only a few minutes after. The fire crews, as you can imagine, were brilliant and got to work straight away. I was just glad we were able to help out. Mr Bourne was called a hero postman in a tweet from the scene, but he remained humble and would not accept the title. He said, I'm not sure about any of that. I honestly think I was just doing what any other person would in that situation. The fence panels were well alight, but if the hedgerow had caught and touched the edge of the roof, it could have meant a lot more damage. As a postal worker, you see a lot on the job, and it is honestly just another day at work. And here we have a story about from the cathedral. Fifteen people ordained at the cathedral. Many happy faces were seen leaving Worcester Cathedral after the diocese appointed its latest priests and deacons. A total of 15 candidates were ordained over the weekend to serve in parishes across the diocese. Nine candidates have completed their first year and were ordained priests in the cathedral, so they can now preside at the Holy Communion, while a further six candidates were ordained deacons and are entering their first year of training as a curate. The ordination services were led by the Bishop of Worcester, Dr John Inge, or the Bishop of Dudley, Martin Gorick. Jamie Clare who became the deacon of All Saints with St Helens in Worcester, has only just arrived in the city. 
He said he is looking forward to serving Worcester in its, his new role. In Droitwich, Charles Joyner, a newly appointed priest, said it was rewarding meeting people through different situations and helping them discover God. He added, It has been a real joy seeing God work in the lives of those we encounter and to have been able to play a small part in helping God discover the love that God has for them. To meet with people through many different situations in their lives and to be his hands and feet in those moments has been a real honour. Ahead of my priest, I am looking forward to the privilege of being able to invite people to God's table. The appointed deacons in Worcestershire include Claire Cox to serve at St Mary's Church, Old Swinford Stourbridge, Jamie Clare, who will serve at All Saints with St Helens in Worcester, Jane Parker to serve at the benefits of Pershaw with Penvin, Wick and Burlingham, Ben Somerville, who will be, serve his time at Holy Trinity Church in Old Hill, Studley, Esther Treasure, who will serve in the Dudley team, Richard Ward, who will serve in the Worcester Southeast team. The appointed priests in Worcestershire are Rachel Colthurst, who serves in, in the Severside parishes, Andrew Green, who s serves in the Benefice of Evesham with Norton and Lentwick at Evesham and Pershall Community Hospitals. Caroline Green, who serves in the Benefice of Eastham with Norton and Lenchwick. Uh, Sarah Jane Hewitt, who serves at St Stephen's in the Redditch Holy Trinity team. Giles Joyner, who serves at in the Saltway team, Droitwich. Sarah Roberts Malpass, who to serve in St Thomas's Church in Stourbridge. Adam Wharton, who serves to serve at uh, Morven College and Great Morven Priory and Paul Wilcox to serve in the West Worcestershire Beacon Group, and last but not least, James Williams, who to serve in Morven Link with Cowley. A secure dog field in Worcester is expanding due to its popularity. The Clains Secure Dog Field on School Bank has opened a second field, and it's just across the road from the current field. The field is owned by Henry Phillips of R.H. Phillips & Co, which operates an existing agricultural business based at Church Farm Cornmeadow Lane, Clains. Mr Phillips said, The first field proved really popular and it always seems to be booked up, so we thought to get a second field opened up for our customers. The fencing has gone up and the field opened on Friday, June the 30th. The original field opened in April last year and consists of 0.98 hectares of space for dogs to run around. The five-foot-high fencing runs around the entirety of the park and access is gained by a keypad on the entry gate. The park also features tyres and logs for dogs to play with during their visit to the field and four parking spaces are available at the front of the park. Social media pictures of the new school bank field show wide open space with similar tyres and lodges, sorry, and logs. There's also a picnic bench for owners to use whilst their dogs play and a JCB on the site setting up the fencing. Slots are booked for the dog park via the Clane Secure Dog Field website with the field hire for an hour starting at £10 for one dog. For two dogs, the facility charges £11, £12 for three dogs 
and £15 for group bookings. Once you've made a booking via the website, an access code is emailed to you. For more information on the site and bookings, you can visit claynsecuredogfield.com. That's all one word, all lowercase, claynsecuredogfield.com. Time is running out for people to have their say on plans to build a new multi-million pound secondary school on the edge of the city. Worcestershire County Council has been holding a public survey on its proposals to build a new school off Newtown Road in Worcester. The month-long public survey is nearing its July the 12th deadline, with less than a week left for you to have your say. After a long search, the County Council revealed in 2021 it would be building a new 600-strong secondary school in the Newtown Road area of the city and later announced that Oasis Community Learning, which is made up of 52 schools, including Primary School Oasis Academy in Warnden, as the new school sponsor. Early designs suggest the school would have two main buildings, sport pitches and community facilities, and that room would be made for the school to at least double in size for 1,200 pupils in the future. The County Council said a new secondary school was critically needed to meet the demand from around 5,000 new homes being built in and around the city in the next 10 to 15 years. The County Council said the delivery of a new school will ensure children can access a secondary school place within their local community in a growing city. The need for a new secondary school in Worcester goes hand in hand with the approval of large housing developments around the city and also improves choice and access for families. A further 5,000 homes were planned as part of two major Worcester urban expansions. Based on historic developments, new housing tends to attract families with an average of approximately 20 secondary school age pupils per 100 dwellings. The County Council also maintains that the new school will cause little disruption on the city's already congested roads and expects most people to walk and cycle. The local catchment of the school is expected to result in a high proportion of children walking and cycling to school, with only small proportion driven. The Council said the development is expected to have a minimal impact on local roads. Questions can be asked by emailing newsecondaryschool at worcesterchildrenfirst.org.uk And following the earlier story from Moira about uh, an excellent Ofsted report, a a city secondary school at the heart of the community has received warm praise from inspectors with a good rating by Ofsted. Christopher Whitehead Language College in Worcester has been awarded a good rating following an inspection by Ofsted in May. The school in Bromwich Road, which last received a good rating in 2018, has been praised for being inclusive, tolerant and welcoming, with opportunities that went beyond the expected. Ofsted inspectors said teachers were knowledgeable, encouraging and approachable, as school leaders had high expectations which placed a strong focus on academic achievement and pupils' character development. Pupils enjoy learning a well-thought-out curriculum that includes high-quality information about careers, Ostead said. This curriculum gives them the knowledge and skills they need to embark on their futures successfully. 
The school was praised for being at the heart of community with a head teacher that paid serious attention to ensuring pupils have meaningful opportunities to be active and respectful citizens. These opportunities go beyond the expected, inspectors said. They include raising money for local charities, preparing and serving meals for people experiencing homelessness and visits to local care homes. In addition, pupils appreciate and make good use of the impressive range of extracurricular clubs available to them daily. Adults and pupils develop strong, positive and trusting relationships. This helps pupils to feel safe. Bullying is uncommon. Classrooms are purposeful and disruption to learning is rare. Leaders have high expectations of pupils' behaviour. The whole school community understand these expectations. In lessons, pupils know what adults expect of them, and they respond accordingly. At social times, the atmosphere is typically calm and orderly. Sixth form students are positive role models for younger pupils. They take their studies seriously and achieve high academic standards. Offset also praised the school for working hard to promote staff well-being. Staff morale is high, Ofsted said, based on its inspection on May the 24th and 25th. They are proud to work at the school. Those responsible for governance make a significant and positive contribution. They routinely gather the views of parents, pupils and staff and consider a range of other information about the school. Consequently, they know the school well. A man was tasered by police after acting aggressively near the city centre. The man was arrested for being drunk and disorderly as well as assaulting an emergency worker near Tesco Express on Forgate Street. Officers at Worcester Forgate Street Railway Station were alerted to a man acting aggressively in the city and apprehended the man on Friday. West Mercia Police said it helped British Transport Police conduct the arrest. The man has been released on bail and inquiries are ongoing. A spokesperson for British Transport Police said... Officers were at Worcester Station at 8.28pm on June the 30th when they were alerted to a member of the public acting aggressively. A man was arrested for being drunk and disorderly and assaulting an emergency worker. A taser was drawn and used. The man has been released on bail and inquiries are ongoing. It's a plan for a new cafe in the city centre. A plan to turn a beauty salon in the city centre into a new cafe has been revealed. Ashley Quinn has revealed plans to turn beauty salon Pura in Broad Street, Worcester, into a new cafe. A new Victorian-style shop front would be built to match neighbouring buildings in Broad Street and fix the damage to the current entrance. The existing beauty salon Pura would move to the rear of the ground floor building and run separately from the new cafe. Mr Quinn set up Café Vienna, later renamed Quinn's, in 1996 in Crangate Shopping Centre in Friary Walk before leaving in 2018. The café closed six months later. The plans can be viewed via the planning section of Worcester City Council's website. The application number is 23-00546-FUL and consultation ends on July the 26th. 
had a brief story here about police stop a stolen car. A driver was taken into custody after police stopped a stolen car on the motorway. The cloned Ford Fiesta was stopped on the M5 at Junction 6. Checks by officers then revealed it had been stolen from the West Mercia Police area on Thursday, June the 29th. The driver was also found to have no insurance and was taken into custody while the Fiesta was returned to its owner. Central Motorway Police Group said that the arrest had come about thanks to teamwork between themselves, West Midlands Police Traffic Unit and West Mercia Police's Operations Patrol Unit for road policing. Well, that concludes the general news stories for this week and we will carry on with uh, some sport, of which there is a fair amount. OK, so first sports story is cricket. And the Worcestershire Rapids progressed to the quarterfinals of the T20 Vitality Blast on Sunday after beating the Derbyshire Falcons by 28 runs in their final group stage game. After the draw with Durham on Friday, the Rapids knew they had to win to ensure they reached the competition's knockout stages. And they did so in style, as a brilliant display with both the bat and ball got them over the line, setting up a last eight contest with the Hampshire Hawks at the GS Bowl on Friday night. Mitchell Santner again led from the front with the bat as he scored his third T20 half-century of the season and invaluable knocks from Jack Haynes and Adam Hose helped the Rapids' top order set a sizeable 222 for five from their 20 overs. Usama Amir and Pat Brown both took three wickets each during Derbyshire's response and despite the best efforts of Harry Kane and Wayne Madsen, Derbyshire fell short in their chase as they were bowled out for 194. It was an outstanding win, said head coach Alan Richardson. We were under a lot of pressure with what was ultimately a knockout match to end the group stage. I thought the lads handled it brilliantly well, played with some real intent and put a performance together to give us a chance to win, and we did. We want to win every competition we're in. We know that it's very difficult to do, but whenever it comes to the white ball games, it's about getting through qualification first, which was a huge ask for us, especially after last year finishing bottom of the North Group, when we didn't perform anywhere near where we can. So the boys should take great pride in that and great heart in that, so that it's now the first objective is done. But this is just the first bit of the journey towards trying to win the trophy. Okay, I've got a football story. Striker Dylan Hart scored a second-half hat-trick as Worcester City kicked off their pre-season campaign with a 5-1 win at Newdales Vale. Over 300 people turned up to watch the contest at Archdales, where City had to work hard to eventually overcome their lower-level hosts. Deputant Robbie Thompson-Brown, signed from Baldemere Street St Michael's in the summer, opened the scoring before the hosts levelled the scores. But the returning Connor Gator headed City back ahead on the stroke of half-time, before Hart twice profited from close range. He then produced a delicate chip over the keeper to wrap up the hat-trick and give City a winning start to pre-season. It was good for us to basically put two teams out and give all the boys some minutes, said manager Chris Corns. I thought New Dales Vales dug in really well. They only had about 16 players on offer, so they were always going to tire, but it was a great run-out and a great day for the locals around here to watch some football. The management here asked if we could have a friendly at the back end of last season and it's helped give them some cash to add to their pockets, which is always good. 
It's really nice to be able to go and play the local teams around us. It was a good day out for fans of both teams, so a really positive afternoon for us to get things going. On striker Hart's hat-trick, Dylan is a striker that needs to be in form and smiling, enjoying his football to be successful. He had his injury problems in a ban last season and he never really got going and the fans didn't see the best of him. He didn't have a great first 45 minutes, but that's Dylan. He can then go and score three in the second half, which he did, and he took his third really well. If he does that for the rest of the season and scores 25 or 30 goals for us, then that will be great and we will be in and around the playoffs. And today, Thursday, July the 6th, main sport headline leaves me a determined pairs supporter with a very heavy heart. The headline is Trent Bridge bound. Pairs duo linked with a move to Nottinghamshire. Trent Bridge could be the destination for two of Worcestershire's young seam bowlers next season, as is reported in the media, are to believed. Both Joss Tung and Dylan Pennington, who are out of contract at the end of the 2023 season, are on the wish list for Division I County Championship side at Nottinghamshire, according to the cricketer. Josh Tung is a wanted man across the county championship since his arrival on the international scene with England in the first two Ashes tests, while Pennington, aged 24, is also a target for Nottinghamshire. Both players came through the academy at the club, but the lure of bigger contracts could well be too good to turn down. George Dobell, senior correspondent at The Cricketer, also suggested on Twitter that there could be more outgoings for Worcestershire this summer, with a number of key players also out of contract. Jack Haynes is another player reportedly out of contract at the end of the season, and there remains plenty of interest in him. Pairs chairman Paul Pridgenant did discuss the ongoing negotiations at the recent members' forum, admitting that contract talks were proving difficult due to the interest in players from various other counties, many of whom are in Division 1. Clubs can make approaches to players out of contract from June the 1st each year, and Pridgen said one individual had been contact, approached by no less than 12 counties. The news has brought about a wider topic of discussion on social media around the cricket hierarchy in England. Some have suggested that the smaller counties should receive some sort of compensation for losing homegrown players to those counties that have bigger finances at their disposal. Despite the unsettled nature of contract renewals, Worcestershire remain in a position to gain promotion into Division 1 this season. Worcestershire are also in T20 Vitality Blast quarter-final action on Friday night for the first time since 2019. They will be hoping to emulate their 2018 heroics when they face the Hampshire Hawks. Uh, just a reminder, it's a seven o'clock start. <laughs> Thank you. A uh, slightly different sports story here, um, but very successful and we'd like to congratulate him. There was a debut for 15-year-old King's Worcester student Seth Essenhigh last week, making him one of the youngest players to play for Worcestershire County Cricket Club. Essenhigh, who's only recently turned 15, is still in secondary school at King's Worcester, but is making waves in the local cricket scene. 
The wicketkeeper batsman was selected to pay for the Worcestershire second eleven in their three-day match against South Asian Cricket Academy last week and scored 43 not out with the bat, which turned out to be the top score for Worcestershire. Essen High regularly turns out for King's first eleven, where he has scored consistently and kept wicket brilliantly all year. It was an honour to represent the Worcestershire County Cricket second eleven alongside four professional cricketers, and their standards have motivated me even more to become a professional cricketer, Essen High said. King's first eleven coach, Mr Gilgrass, added, This was a great day for Seth, stepping up into the realms of men's professional cricket. I'm sure he'll learn a huge amount from this experience and it will whet his appetite to play at this level and higher in the future. We wish him well. OK, um, rowing now. It proved to be an extraordinary weekend for Worcester Rowing Club as the largest female-only regatta in the country, the Henley Regatta. The Coxless Four team, Catherine Robinson, Libby Johnson, Annabelle Headley and Meg Pickering, won the Leicester Trophy for the first time in seven years as they beat pre-competition favourites and home team Upper Thames in the final on Sunday, June the 18th. There were 38 crews within their event and involved a time trial on the Friday morning, whittling it down to the fastest 16 crews for the main draw. It was then a knockout event consisting of a heat, quarter-final, semi-final and final, racing against crews from the London regions and around the world. The final itself was tense and only in the final stages did the Worcester crew manage to pull away for victory. It was neck and neck for the first third of the race, Worcester having a marginal edge. Around the halfway point, the Worcester crew, sensing the occasion, launched a move to take the lead, pushing out to almost a boat length ahead, which they held to the finish line. Their coach, Will Robinson, and the squad have worked incredibly hard over the last few years to get to this point. The girls are buzzing from their win and the, the entire club couldn't be proud of their achievement. Well done. And after the depressing news from New Road, the day before, we have a headline which says Raiders secure six ways stay. The football club to remain at stadium as agreement is reached. Worcester Raiders will continue to play at Six Ways after an agreement was reached with Atlas Worcester Warriors Limited. The football club and all of its junior teams will be remaining at Six Ways Stadium after the agreement was reached. Raiders previously played at Six Ways before Worcester Warriors went into administration back in September 22. According to a statement released yesterday afternoon, the initial lease agreement will be for two years with an option to secure a further three years in February 2025. Steve Harris, chairman of Worcester Raiders Football Club, thanked Atlas Worcester Warriors for helping the club secure the lease. He said, It has certainly been a challenging and uncertain future the club has faced in the past 12 months, but together with everyone's help and support, we pulled it through. I would like to place on record my sincere thanks to everyone who has supported the club in these turbulent times. We couldn't have done it without you all. A special thanks to all the Six Ways staff who carried on during the uncertainty of their own futures. They have been absolutely amazing. They have helped keep Six Ways alive, which enabled not just us, but many other teams and events to carry on. Harry, Harris also asked fans to give their support to manager Carl Gormley ahead of the upcoming season. 
He said, please get behind Carl and the team for the 23-24 season. We need your support more than ever. The hard work doesn't stop and we strive to give the city of Worcester a football club at the highest level they could be proud of. Owners at Six Ways, the Atlas Consortium, said back in February that Raiders would be kept on the home of Worcester Warriors. Harris said on Saturday that things could be tied up this week, with Atlas Jim O'Toole supposedly in the process of drawing up the lease agreement. In May, it was confirmed that Worcester Warriors had been taken over by the Atlas Consortium. The rugby club is now under the ownership of the Atlas Group, directed by former executives Jim O'Toole and James Sandford. Right, well, that completes the sports stories. And unusually, we actually had quite a few, didn't we? Which was nice. Um, Moving on, I have the sunrise and sunset times here. And the sun rose this morning at 4.56am and sets tonight at 9.31pm. I was hoping to be able to wish someone happy birthday, but when I looked in the birthday file, there was no one down for this particular week. So if it happens to be your birthday, let us know and we'll be able to wish you a happy birthday next year. That leaves us just with the uh, thought for the week, which Moira is going to read for us today. Okay, from Isaiah 12, verses 1 to 3. In that day you will say, I will praise you, Lord. Although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself, is my strength and my defence. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Thank you. And that brings us to the end of this week's recording. I'd like to say thank you to our readers tonight, Moira and Richard, and to Alex, our engineer. But this week I want to say a particularly big thank you to all our wonderful volunteers that come in every week to do the hard work of getting this recording out to you. And they don't get mentioned very often, so thank you to all the people who come and work on the Thursdays and Fridays to do copying and admin. Right, well, that's it for this week. And it's goodbye from me, Pippa, and goodbye from Moira. Bye. And Richard. Bye. And Alex is waving on the other side of the glass. Have a good week. Bye-bye. Roy Bryan passed away the 16th of June, 2023. There won't be a funeral service, but Sally, Sarah, Lucy and family ask that donations in memory of such a talented and kind man Please be made to the Alzheimer's Society if desired. Ada died, nay Cooper, announcing the death of Ada died, who passed away on the 11th of May. Family and friends are invited to a memorial service at St Canelm's Church, followed by a gathering at the Oak, both at Upton Snodsbury, on Thursday the 13th of July at 3pm. Debbie McCormack of Worcester, passed away peacefully in hospital on the 20th of June 2023, aged 62 years. The funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Monday the 10th of July at 3.15. Family flowers only, please, but donations if desired from the Worcestershire Breast Unit Haven may be left at the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to EJ Gummery & Sons, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, 
WR37EU. Julia Tolley passed away surrounded by family on Saturday the 17th of June 2023 at Warwick Hospital, aged 83 years. Funeral service to take place at St Martin's Church of England Church, Worcester, on Monday the 10th of July at 1.15pm, followed by cremation at Worcester Crematorium. All attendees are requested to wear colourful clothes. And any floral tributes to the co-op funeral care in Lowesmore, Worcester, or donations if so desired, will be gratefully received for RNLI. Muriel Bollen sadly passed away peacefully on the 27th of June. Loving mother to Karen, Phil and Nick will be greatly missed by all her family and friends. And Audrey Handley passed away peacefully in hospital on the 22nd of June 2023, aged 92 years. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday the 11th of July at 10.45am. Family flowers only, please. But donations, if desired for Cancer Research UK, may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3 7EU. Rita May Handy passed away peacefully at home on 17th of June, aged 96. The funeral service at St Mark's Church took place on Friday the 7th of July. Donations, if desired, for St Mark's PCC or Acorns Children's Hospice Trust may be left at E.J. Gummery and Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. David Hanford sadly passed away in hospital on the 13th of June, aged 84 years. Loving husband, father and grandfather, who will be greatly missed. Private cremation. Robert John Holloway, Bob, passed away after a short illness on June the 9th, aged 80. A service took place at the Vale Crematorium, Fladbury, on Friday, July the 7th. Donations in Bob's memory are invited for Worcestershire Stroke Association. These may be sent to E. Hill and Son Funeral Directors, Pershaw, WR10 1HZ. Marion Abbott Thomas of Claines passed away peacefully on 15th of June, aged 70. Funeral service at St John's Baptist Church, Claines, on Wednesday the 12th of July at 12 noon, followed by committal at Worcester Crematorium. Family flowers only, please, but donations if desired for Parkinson's UK may be left on the collection plate at church or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 6870, Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3, 7EU.